0: Hello, everyone. I'm Dominique
1: and I'm Christina, and we are the Connected in Glass podcast.
0: Every week we will feature interviews with glass artists who speak to their creative processes and overcoming challenges.
1: These conversations are real and raw. We hope that by sharing these stories, you're able to find some connection and know that you're not alone. We just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. We're super passionate about this project and work for hours every week to bring you this content. So if you'd like to help support us, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash connected glass. Also, please consider joining our Facebook group, Connected in Glass Community, where we continue the conversations from these episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Today, we're interviewing Heather McCaig. Heather is a glass artist from New Brunswick, Canada, who has been working full time in glass since 2013. She specializes in flameworked borosilicate glass. Hello. Hi. Thanks
0: for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, so first, we want to know about you, like, skip the glass part of your life. Tell us where you live, what you enjoy besides glass, and then work us into the story about how you began working with glass. Okay. So I live in New Brunswick. I really love
2: camping and gardening like this time of year. It's, I'm in Canada, so it's the summertime. So right now I'm doing a lot of camping, gardening, and canoeing and things like that. i um, taking my dog for big, long walks and in the winter time I like to cross-country ski and we're doing downhill skiing this coming year um yeah and just being in the snow so lots of just seasonal stuff in Canada right
0: yeah yeah kind of like what we're experiencing here in New England too um so tell us how did you start working with glass
2: Um, so my husband and I met, my husband is grass blower. He goes by grass blower. Um, so we actually met before we became artists and he went to school for glass blowing in Ontario at Halliburton School of the Arts. And I went to ecosystem management at school and I just was like captivated by glass and really, really loved it. Um, I did do pottery for a couple of years after that kind of changed my uh, schooling and did pottery for a couple of years. And then slowly it just evolved into me getting into glass as well. And they had continued to do glass after he was done school. And I just slowly got myself a little torch, a Nortel mini Milan, I think it is. And um, yeah, just kind of puttered away doing that and making
0: little pendants and stuff. And so I've been doing it full time since 2013. And can you describe your style of work to the people that haven't found you yet? Sure. Um, So I make a lot of
2: sculptural work. I, yeah, I just love sculpting. Currently, the last few years, I've been making a lot of sculpted flowers and trying to make them as botanically accurate as I can. Um, So that is really fun challenge. And every time I'm making a new flower, there's new elements that I need to learn and techniques I kind of need to improve on. So yeah, it's a really, really fun challenge for me. And I've been enjoying that a lot. And working small is just so hard. So that's also a fun challenge.
1: What is your creative process, especially when you're doing things like botanically correct? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or trying to be botanically correct. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I work, um, I'm a flame worker, so I work off my torch. I have a GTT that I work off of. And, um, then I have two little Smith little torches that I use a lot. Um, one of them, I have a torch head that like comes with the torch, you know, there's five tips that come with it. So I have a really tiny one that I keep on there. And then I also have one that I've bought in, which is a little bit larger. Um, So I do a lot of the petal work and leaf work on my GTT. And then I switch over and kind of like do all the bracing and the connections with my Smith Little torches. Um, So it's a lot of really fine detail. And sometimes I have to put like the handle that I'm working off of in a cup or something. So I can actually have two hands to work. Uh, the glass because
0: sometimes I just don't want to be holding (laughs) it.
2: I need, I need more hands.
0: (laughs) And where do you work out of? Do you have a studio at home or do you have a space outside of your home?
2: Yeah. So um, I live out in the country and I live in a tiny house and um, we have four and a half acres. So on the property, we just actually renovated last year, a building that we're using a storage. So we insulated that last year. Um, so that's separate from our house. It's not a huge studio, but it's um, a pretty good size, I'd say, compared to what we had before. <laughs> Feels like luxury right now.
0: And can you talk to us about um, like how you make your income? Do you mostly do it by selling your own work or do you have a production line that you do? You do do your glass full time, you said. So it's cool to hear about the different manners in which people make their money.
2: Mm hmm. Um, so I do have an online shop. So I sell through there. Um, and then I obviously because of COVID, there's been a lull in craft shows and stuff like that so I just did my first one last weekend after this you know a year and a half or so um, so that was really great to just see people and interact with people and see their response to the glass again because the internet can only really get you so far you know um, but I also so craft shows in my shop online shop and then I also am doing um gallery shows now so I actually have my first one coming up this august to october um, in sussex and where i live just outside of sussex so yeah just like a lot of little incomes i can kind of spread out all over the place but my goal right now is to make more gallery work and one-of-a-kind work and things like that so i'm kind of slowly transitioning from my production line into that but of course that takes a few years to do so
1: Can you touch a little bit on your design process and maybe your thought process that goes behind those gallery pieces?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So the one I'm currently about to install in August is about the different ecosystems of Canada. And it's a statement about the climate crisis. Um, Maybe I listened to the news too much, (laughs) (laughs) but I think a lot of things come from that um yeah it's the climate crisis really terrifies me and I am pretty worried about where we're headed right now so I my husband and I both live as sustainably as we can you know within our budget we are artists we can't afford huge solar panel arrays and stuff just yet hopefully one day but um so that's kind of The series right now is a climate crisis um, statement about that and just what we're going to be losing and the biodiversity that we're already losing. Um, So, yeah, just the things. It's kind of the series that I'm hoping to get into gallery shows in the future as well is just kind of like showing a different side of me a little bit and a little bit of a deeper side of me. That's kind of my hope for the future.
0: And do you like draw it out or are you one of those people can visualize what you want to make the glass do and just kind of create it out of your head or do you use clay or another material? Yeah. So I just mostly think of it and do it, but with the
2: bigger series I've been working on I do sketch a little bit um, and write down all my proportions. So this series that I'm putting up in August um I did write down all the portions so each piece will be roughly the same size but yeah I don't sketch as much as I probably should but I just kind of I kind of go
0: for it most of the time and usually it works out for the best for me so it kind of feels like the work that you do is really personal. Do you feel that you get ever get any pushback from people on that? Or do you mostly just surround yourself with people that can agree with your viewpoints? Um,
2: I probably do surround myself with a lot of people that have the same viewpoints. Um, but I haven't actually gotten that much pushback from it. I'm sure that will come one day and that's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm just a very science-based mind. And I think I surround myself with a lot of people like that as well.
1: Have you had any experience with learning from other people or teaching at all?
2: My husband pretty much taught me how to blow glass. Um, I didn't take any formal training. I am like self-taught in pretty much everything I do. He did try his best to guide me with what he knew at the time and um because he had only been doing it for maybe 4 or 5 years before I started so I did and I was surrounded by it for that whole time so I did know how it worked I just kind of had to make my hands you know be centered and use tools properly and things like that um but no I haven't done any formal training I do sometimes watch YouTube videos but that doesn't happen too often but You know, the internet can be good for things like that when you're trying to figure stuff out.
0: What's it like having a partner in the same industry or do you find that your work is so different that you kind of separate? I just want to know what it's like to have somebody that's doing the same thing and you're in the same workspace and in the same tiny home. Does it it kind of all work out or do you find that sometimes you may butt heads a little? Yeah, I think we definitely have
2: butt heads a little bit as most couples do. Um I think in the start maybe we I don't know if we butt heads a little bit more in the start, but now we're kind of doing our own thing. I was making pipes and stuff for a while under like peacock glass. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't think we really butt heads then much either, but I just kind of translated, transferred into this because I don't personally smoke and I get a lot of anxiety when I do smoke. So I didn't really feel like that was the path for me. Um, but I think we both have such, like you said, such different uh, businesses that it's really good that way. And we have learned to take constructive criticism from each other well (laughs) now I think that's something you need to learn to do and not take it so personally which can be very very hard but it's usually for the best getting that outside look on things
0: um do you ever struggle with anxiety or depression or do you have any thoughts or feedback on that
2: um yeah I definitely do I had to do some deep breathing before this because I was a little anxious I'm not gonna lie Um, I definitely struggle with a lot of anxiety and being in Canada during the colder months and it gets dark up here that, you know, you get seasonal depression sometimes. Um, Yeah, especially this last year, like, I'm sure everyone feels the same way. But wow, that's like been quite a struggle. Um, My Nana, who pretty much helped. Well, she did help raise me. I'm actually from Ontario and I moved to New Brunswick in my early 20s. So my family is all in Ontario and my Nana passed away uh, last summer, like during lockdowns and stuff. And I couldn't go. And that super sucked. And there was a quite a dark time for me then. And just. You know, it was a very much like you want to help your family, but you can't because if I get on a plane, I could give them COVID and like there was all these other aspects to it. Um, So that was a really hard time for me and just like thinking about mortality a lot more and stuff like that. So I think, of course, like everyone else, it's been a really tough, tough year, but um, the coping things, I think I started doing... More yoga at home, which I usually do yoga, go to town and do yoga. But I was doing it, I don't know if you've heard of Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Yeah, so like super good classes. And I would recommend that to honestly anyone because I can have trouble sitting down and meditating, which is something that is really good for anxiety and depression. So your thoughts stop swirling around. Um, But the yoga is really good for just like moving your body as well as deep breathing. So I honestly, that helped me a lot last year. I was doing it every night and just before bed and stuff to kind of calm my brain down a bit.
1: Does your anxiety ever impact your work, either like the actual work itself or maybe how you're working? Are there ways you work through that with your work? Yeah.
2: So there's this, I think I sent you a picture of the big skull that I've made uh, last year. It's a really large skull and there's a glass, it's all networked together and there's some forget-me-nots on it. And then to be with that is also a networked mask, medical mask. Um, And that piece was dedicated to my Nana. And that, so that was kind of working through those emotions that I was just talking about um very emotional piece but like really happy I did that and also pushed myself um and I have been thinking on it honestly about making a series about anxiety because I think this next generation is like we're talking more about it and it's really good to talk about it and be open about it because I think a lot more people have it than we even know right
0: And do you ever feel like you can't create work? Like, do you ever lose your creativity? And if you do, how do you get out of that?
2: I do get that sometimes.
0: Um,
2: Yeah, I think it's just part of life. Like, it's hard to be creative all the time. Like, you can't expect yourself to always have that creative flow. And yeah, yeah. I don't really know how I get out of it. <laughs> sometimes in the winter time. I'm just like, I don't want to get out of bed. It's definitely seasonal depression. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do much. And I just kind of I'm like, okay, hey, you got to go outside and go do something active for a while and just kind of take a break. I try not to be super hard on myself. Um, but yeah, I like taking, even if it's just a day off and just being like, all right, today, if I go in the studio, I'm probably just going to waste money on my, ramping up my kiln and wasting glass so just take the day off and you know go do something fun um even this time of year too like trying to go camping more and stuff because our summers are so short but also like you kind of need to enjoy it while you can can't be stuck in the studio all the time
0: is it hard to have your studio at home like how do you create your schedule
2: um I think I'm used to it now. I've been doing this since I was like mm, 20 or 21 like because before I was a potter and had my studio at home and now I'm doing glass. So I've never really worked for anyone else in my adult life. Um I work 9 to 5 or at least try to work around that. If I get in the studio at 10, I don't beat myself up about it. It's fine. If I want to go for a walk at 4, you know, and take the last hour off, that's fine. Um But I honestly, I really, really like it. I, there were quite a few years that we would work through the weekend and just not take weekends off. Um, And that was not good for mental health because of course you kind of burn out after a while. So yeah, now we take weekends off and yeah, working, try to work nine to five.
1: Are there any life lessons that you wish you could tell your younger self?
2: Yeah, (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Um, I wish I still live by some of them. Um, Yeah. So probably, you know, making mistakes with glass or in life, like usually things work out. They always do work out. And usually it's a way of learning, right? Like really shitty things happen and break a piece in glass that you wish you thought was the best piece ever and then you're like oh well what did I do wrong here and you realize that you made a mistake and you learn from it um and tell myself not to have so much anxiety but (laughs) I'm still working on that
0: (laughs) okay so my question is though how and it, turning it in a little different direction, but I'm stuck on this. How do you price your work? Like you're coming out with these crazy, huge sculptures, but before that you were doing production, how do you decide what the prices are going to be? Do you look at what other artists do? Do you have some kind of formula that you use for it?
2: Yeah. Um, so I usually, the minimum price I want for my hourly rate is $50 an hour. So that is to pay for my studio costs and living and everything. Um, So my production stuff is priced so that if I do wholesale, I will still get that amount that I want. Um, And then my more expensive pieces are priced with that in mind as well, I guess. So, you know, if someone wanted to, or most galleries are consignment and sometimes they are 50, 50 consignment. So yeah if it's a $1,000 piece, say, and I need $500 for it.
0: Do you ever do any commission work or do you mostly just stick to the designs that you have?
2: Um, recently, I've been so pretty busy, so not as much. If it's kind of in my realm of what I'm already doing, I can do it, but I don't super often do that. Like if, say, someone wants a pair of wine goblets for a wedding or something, and they give, give me a good heads up, Um, I'll definitely do it. But um, yeah, I guess it just depends. It has to be, I think when approaching artists, whether it's glass artists or any artist, you have to look at their work. And if you want something from them, that's uh, like a custom piece, it has to be within what they're doing, right? It has to be their style and stuff. You can't, I've had a few people come out with pretty outrageous things that they want me to do. And I'm like, this is not my style. <laughs> so I think, you, yeah, research your artists.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's nice to like kind of hold to yourself versus like kind of take out out of your wheelhouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause then it's hard to price that too. If you have to start something from the beginning. Totally. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I was wondering have you had any experiences where like you've been treated differently just because you're a woman, or do you find that you were treated pretty much the same?
2: Yeah, um, when I was making pipes, I would buy in like rigs and cannabis stuff functional functional art um I would definitely like people would message me online on Instagram, email me, and be like, "Hey, dude, like how's it going man and my name was obviously Heather. My last name, my maiden name is Peacock. So I went by Peacock Glass. So my name was Heather Peacock. And I'd be like, well, like, I'm, I'm a woman. <laughs> so I think um, I'd have to put more selfies, I guess, up or just pictures of me working. So people obviously knew I was a woman. I don't think I've been treated differently. But that's a really hard thing to measure I think you'd almost have to do tests to figure that out um but right now Nick and I are both working in such different realms that I can't really compare his stuff to my stuff because our our markets are just completely different now so that's a really hard thing to measure but I hope not I really hope not because that would make me super sad
0: do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome I
2: actually don't get that at all thankfully um That's awesome <laughs> yeah maybe because I've worked for so long <laughs> and I want it so bad um but th- yeah thankfully I don't but I do have a lot of social anxiety and perfectionism and lots of other things where I'm you know worried to make mistakes in front of people and yeah I think there's a there's a lot of other things going on other than
1: imposter <laughs> syndrome <laughs> Do you have any tips for people dealing with like that perfectionism mindset?
2: Um, I think one thing. (laughs) I think I'm still working on it. Um, I think that learning from your mistakes. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes switching from functional art into this one-of-a-kind like uh, gallery work and I've made a lot of mistakes approaching galleries and approaching I don't know submitting work and things like that Um, but I'm realizing that those things are okay and I'm making mistakes but that's fine and I'm learning from them and not to beat myself up too much about it I still do get a bit down on myself and get like you know have a little panic attack like oh my god well, how could I do that but I try to calm myself down um but even in glass um I think that making mistakes and having cracked pieces and you know things kind of exploding on the last step that always seems to be a trend it's like your very last step you're about to put it in the kiln and it explodes I think that you just need to, what I've learned is like, okay, step back for a second. What did I do wrong? Did I not heat it enough? Did I not flash it? You know, what, what was my problem here? And taking it more as a lesson than taking it as a personal, you know, oh my God, I'm a total fuck up kind of thing. So yeah, I think just learning from your mistakes is a really good thing for perfectionists.
0: It's just so nice to hear that (laughs) what is happening inside of your head is like also happening for me. You know, it's just like really reaffirming to have that same battle go on with other people.
2: Yeah, it can be tough. It's a really hard struggle and to calm yourself down is super hard and, you know, going for a walk or something, even if it's just down the block and back can be very helpful or go to the washroom and just, you know be in a huff for a second then come back (laughs) but yeah I think honestly deep breathing has helped me a lot and like snuggling my dog has also helped me a lot
1: (laughs) is there anything else that you wanted to say that we didn't cover
2: thank you for having me on your wonderful podcast this has been really great my first ever podcast I was on so thank you for that um If anyone wants to follow me on Instagram, I do have Facebook as well, but I don't really look at it very often. So heathermckang.glass, that would be awesome. And yeah, keep breathing, I guess. Keep having those deep breaths. It helps a lot with anxiety.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Connected in Glass. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more information on the artists we interview and for updates on the podcast.